Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Hey everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee for March 18th, 1994. I am Mark, with me as always is my girlfriend Carol. How you doing Carol? Hey, what's up? It's been a good week here at Massive Late Fee. Happy St. Patrick's Day for everyone. St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. I hope that everyone stayed safe. I know I had a couple uh, glasses of green beer. Did you uh, partake in anything, Carol? We were together. So, yeah. I know, but everyone else wasn't with us. Yeah, but I didn't have green beer because I don't like green beer. So I had a green apple martini. Yeah, very festive drink for the holidays. It is. Well, on to the news. I've got several stories from the Los Angeles Times that we can talk about today. The first one concerns a couple films that are supposed to be filming soon, although it looks like at least one of them might be in trouble. According to the story that I'm reading by Robert Welkos from the LA Times, there's two virus movies that are supposed to be filming soon, beginning filming soon. One is called uh, Hot Zone, and the other is called Outbreak. And I guess they're about killer viruses going nuts or something like that. You know how every once in a while Hollywood will have a year where there's two movies that are very similar that will come out the same year? Like all the time, yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, the you know, uh, what's his name? Ridley Scott is supposed to direct this Hot Zone movie. And I guess he's close to pulling out of the deal. They're, the producers are trying to keep him in. Uh, they they have delivered a script, but he doesn't think it's great, you know. And they they were in talks with Robert Redford to maybe star in this movie, but Robert Redford says that he hasn't seen a script yet, and he's not he's not signed on to anything basically. Okay. So there's a lot of problems with this production. The other one seems closer to being filmed, but they don't have a script yet. So they the producers are waiting biting their nails waiting for this final script to come in, but they do have I guess a few people that they're talking to to star in the movie. They don't have anyone attached yet. But they have the director, Wolfgang Peterson, who directed in the Line of Fire, the Clint Eastwood movie. Okay. So that's an interesting story. I guess we'll see if either one of these movies get made. It appears that neither of them might, but we'll see if either of them get made and what they what goes on with there, which one wins. Right. Basically, the, the competition between <clears throat> which one is the better virus film. <laughs> We shall see. I guess it's a thriller type thing, but I don't know. I don't I don't fully get the idea behind it yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to, you know, like take off or anything. You know? I can't think of how you would make it dramatic, but right. I don't know. We'll see. The other one of the other stories that I read in the LA Times was they the Times got a copy of the presenters list. For the Academy Awards. Okay. Which is coming up later this month, I believe. I think it's at the end of this month or early April. I can't remember exactly when. I'll have to look later in the paper, but uh, it's coming up soon. Now, spokespeople for the Academy Awards production have said that lineups change a lot. This is not set in stone. The, The lineup usually does not get leaked out. Yeah. And, and they said this is why, because lineups change. So whatever you print might not, you know, probably isn't going to be accurate. Uh, just keep that in mind. That was kind of their their statement on the matter. But the Times does have a list. Now, I won't go through everybody, but uh, Arthur Hiller will, you know, per, like do the welcome. That's the Academy president. That's normal. That happens all the time. So that's not a surprise. They're, the opening number is going to be called Putting It Putting It Together with Bernadette Peters. Whoopi Goldberg, obviously, is going to host. We've known that for a while. Tom Hanks will present the Art Direction Award. Okay. So that's kind of cool. Macaulay Culkin is going to present an award. Uh, Jeff Bridges is going to 
to introduce the fugitive, one of the best picture. You know how they play the clips from the best pictures throughout the award show. So he's going to do that. Marissa Tomei is going to do uh, actor in a supporting role. That's pretty traditional too, because she won for my cousin Vinny. So they usually bring them back to do their opposite. Okay. She, she won supporting actress, so she's <clears> going to do supporting actor. That's a normal thing to do. Janet Jackson and Jimmy Jam are going to perform the original song nominee again. So that sounds pretty exciting. Liam Neeson's going to do a, the sound editing award. There's there's a bunch of... Rosie O'Donnell's going to do a few. Uh, Glenn Close is going to present the honorary award to Deborah Carr. She was in From Here to Eternity and... and uh, she was in The King and I. I think you saw you saw that one. Yeah. She was Anna in The King and I. Yeah, that's a good one. So Johnny Depp's going to uh, do the Philadelphia. He's, Yay, he's Johnny Depp. He's going to introduce the the uh, song, the nominated song, uh, which is going to be performed by Neil Young. So that will be interesting. Let's see the and the big ones. Uh, Al Pacino's going to do actress in a leading role. Nice. And. For Best Director, Clint Eastwood is going to present. And then Best Picture, Harrison Ford will present. Okay. Interesting that they have Harrison Ford presenting the Best Picture category. Because The Fugitive, as I you know, said, is up for Best Picture. Oh. Now, most people believe that... Schindler's List will win Best Picture. That Steven Spielberg will win Best Director for Schindler's List and it will win Best Picture. Some of the other awards are up for grabs. Like if if Liam Neeson will win, Ray Fiennes is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And those are, those are up in the air. But most people, the consensus is that Schindler's List will win. Okay. I'm wondering why they have Harrison. I mean, is this a tip that could... could the Fugitive possibly win Best Picture over Schindler's List? You think they would have him present his own award? Well, he didn't produce it, so he wouldn't be winning it. He was just the star of the film. So, but it seems almost a slap in the face to say, hey, that movie that you starred in, it's going to lose. Present the award. Yeah. I don't know. It's, It's interesting. You know, Harrison Ford's a big star, though, so... That could be part of it. This, if if the lineup changes, this might be one of the things that changes. Yeah, I feel like. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens there. I really don't see anything beating Schindler's List, but time will tell. <clears throat> and another light bit of news before we get into the rest of our program. Remember that movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, I love that movie. Remember Jessica Rabbit? Yeah. And how buxom she was and everything. Yeah. Well, the movie has come out on Laserdisc, also video, but it's come out on Laserdisc, and apparently the animators have snuck in some X-rated images into the film that are invisible at 24 frames per second, which is what a normal film rate plays at, but are visible when you go frame by frame like you can do with a laser disc and word is spreading that this is in here and i guess they're selling out of laser discs before disney can pull them because i'm sure that's what disney's next move is the animators thought they were being sly not realizing technology has gotten to the point where people can go frame by frame now and they thought it was almost like subliminal in the thing but apparently there's an instance where Jessica Rabbit does a twirl and her skirt kind of goes up. And the first time she goes around, it appears as if she's wearing underwear. And the second time, it's clear she's wearing nothing Okay. underneath That's her dress. Gross. I agree. I don't, I'm not going to buy it. First of all, I'm not a millionaire, so I don't own a laser disc player. Right. But second of all, um, I'm not interested in seeing her naked in cartoon form. So I'm not, I'm not interested in it, but apparently there are a lot of people who are. One of the things that I thought was kind of funny is there's a scene where baby Herman feels up a woman in a dress as he passes by underneath her skirt. Mm -hmm. 
And if you freeze frame right as he goes by her, there's graffiti on the wall that that uh, advertises a brothel run by Allison Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Allison Wonderland. Right. So yeah, that's uh, apparently that's some of the stuff that are on this laser disc, and I know that animators sometimes get up to some mischief when it comes to putting little things in frames that they don't think people are going to see. But this is very interesting. And I think Disney has no comment so far. I think they're they're going to be pulling these laser discs. I think some people are getting fired over this. You know, I don't understand why they would do that, though. I mean, really. I mean, if nobody's going to notice, if nobody's going to see, what's the point? I think it's just cheeky, like, in-jokes for them, I guess. I'm not sure exactly why they do it but i know it's happened before in other films yeah i know i mean i've heard that too it's just it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like there's a purpose really Uh, maybe it's just boredom they they, they're sitting there slaving over these drawings they have to drive there so many things they have to animate so many drawings they have to make i mean i can't even imagine how many hundreds of thousands millions of little frames they have to make to make a full movie. Right. So uh, maybe it's just boredom as they're sitting there. I'm just going to make this one just a little bit different. Put a little, you know, something in the background or something. I don't know. But yeah, so that's that's interesting. But yeah, I think some people are going to get fired over that. They should. On to our TV picks of the week. Speaking of someone who might be getting fired. No, I'm sure that this guy won't uh, won't get fired. But the first TV pick, I'm going to do mine, if that's okay with you. Okay, go ahead. Mine is a television show that's on ABC right now that's called Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher. Now, I wasn't really familiar with Bill Maher before this program started. I'm sure a lot of you probably weren't either. He comes from B-movies. He was in some movie called... Amazon Women and the Avocado Jungle of Death. What in the world? Yeah, some weird movie. Uh, but he's been in films like that. He was in DC Cab way back in 80-something. But he's he's a stand-up comedian and a B-movie guy, basically. But apparently he has a very sharp political brain. Okay. Because he started this show... I'm not really going to go through any individual show or like individual issues. I'm just going to kind of tell you what the format of it is. But I really kind of enjoy this show. It's a debate show where Bill Maher plays the moderator and four people come on. There, It's usually uh, people that are you know, maybe like two Democrats and two Republicans or just people with different differing ideologies so they can debate each other. And he throws out issues and they debate and then he sort of moderates and also kind of gives his opinion at the same time. It sounds interesting. It is an interesting show. He's got, like, Al Franken's been on there, the former Saturday Night Live guy. I guess he's into politics, too. But uh, he's been on there and several other people, different different politicians or political commentators. There's this conservative woman on that's from Greece, Ariana Huffington and she's very conservative and sure like she has this she has this really weird voice she's just like, <laughs> I can't do it but she's got this this high almost kind of squeaky very Greeky voice Huffington does not sound like a Greek name no I know I think maybe it's her married name okay I guess but uh, yeah she so she debates a lot with some of the other people on there that are liberal or more more democratic and they talk about stuff like they talk about the clinton administration they talk about a lot of stuff that we avoid but i am interested in politics and the show is pretty interesting and it's fun to hear different sides of different people debating different things so that's a lot of different things it's a lot of difference in that sentence but anyway so that's something if you might want to check out on abc that's on late at night on a well not late at night but it's on at night on abc so check that out. Check your local listings, as they say. Get the TV guide out and see when that comes on. I think it come, for us it comes on at 10 o'clock, I believe. But yeah, on, on ABC. That's an interesting show. Cool. 
What did you watch for our TV picks of the week? So I watched an episode of Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, I did not watch this with you. I don't hate 90210. I don't love 90210. I've never seen 90210. <laughs> so I don't know anything about it. So this will be revelatory for me too. Well, you know, to be honest, I, I haven't watched it in about a year. So I was a little lost when I tuned in. Um, but I really like the show. And, um, you know, I, I, I watched the first couple seasons religiously. And it's about, you know, teenagers, friends going through what they go through. This episode starts out, and this is why I just I felt so incredibly lost. Brenda, one of the main characters, the sister of, of uh, the twin sister of a guy named Brayden, and they're like kind of the main people the people the show started out on. Now, that's the one that Shannon Doherty, right? Yes. Okay, and... Jason Priestley. Jason Priestley, there, right? That's yeah. his name. So I kept wanting to say Luke Perry. No, that's Dylan. He's another character. On that's there. the breakout star of the show. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, Brenda's being arrested, hmm. and it turns out that she broke into an animal research lab, and is being charged with trespassing, burglary, and destruction of property. As as one does, sure. <laughs> Well, um, apparently she fell into some group of like animal rights activists and they were trying to make a point about, you know, experimenting on animals. I don't know that I necessarily agree with their decision of how to go about doing that, um, especially because what ended up happening is her friend Andrea works in one of these labs. This was on a college campus. And um, when they got to her lab, apparently Brenda tried to stop them. But they went in and destroyed it too, and they weren't doing anything harmful. They were actually studying um, puppies and kittens for sleep uh, for sleep studies. So they were just watching puppies yeah. and kittens sleep. They were they were keep yeah they were tracking their sleep habits, and they were actually using the research uh, for SIDS. Oh okay, and so indiscriminate terrorism, right? So, um, yeah, and then, and then, like, when the next day they're cleaning up and everything in there, they're, they're finding just cats and dogs, like, little puppies and kittens have, like, escaped out into the campus, and they're finding them, and the, the, everything's so destroyed that they, they're lost all their research. So they didn't even gather up these animals, they just let them loose? Right. And, oh, yeah, and, that's, that's smart. And they have to, they, she said they have to find homes for them or send them back where they came from. To the pound. Yeah. To be euthanized. Exactly. So, I mean, these animal rights activists really screwed over the little puppies and kittens. Right. So, <clears throat> it turns out... Now, Now here's here's Brenda's other mistake. She makes a lot of mistakes in this episode. Her f- one phone call, she does not Her call... Her dentist made a lot of mistakes with those teeth. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Her one phone call, she does not call her parents, her rich parents... Uh, she calls Dylan, her ex-boyfriend. That's Luke Perry. Yeah. Okay. She calls him in the middle of the night. Well, wouldn't you call Luke Perry if you had his number? <laughs> <laughs> of course not. I would call you. Right. So, um, but, okay, but he's now dating Kelly, who is her friend. Okay, I don't know Kelly. Kelly's uh, the pretty blonde one. Oh, Okay. The only ones I know are the ones that appear in like Teen Beat magazine or whatever. I don't read Teen Beat magazine. I was gonna Everybody. say Everybody. But you know, that's what I'm the ones whose pictures and names are out there and stuff. Oh, I think I know. Jenny Garth, I yes. think is her name. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I retain names pretty well. <laughs> okay, so she's a little upset that, you know, Brenda's calling him in the middle of the night. And she made him promise not to tell her parents. So, yeah, they go down to the police station, and they're told that the bail has been set at $50,000. Yeah, what did, the, what did she think the bail was going to be? A pack of gum? Right. Hey, come, come, come bail me out, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you know, of course they have to tell her parents. And they do go to the bail bondsman or whatever. Right. And get the money and get her out. Now, um... There's Wait, enough... they go to a bail bondsman, or do they just pay the bail? They go to the bail. Well, 
you know, I think they went to the bail bondsman. I, I don't know. Maybe it was just uh, Dylan's character. Like, when they told them how much the bail was, they also told him the bail bondsman was across the street. Yeah, the well, what what a bail bondsman does is if you can't pay the full amount of your bail, normally how bail works is, so it's $50,000 in this case. You pay $50,000 to the court, and then if you don't show up for your court date, you forfeit that $50,000 plus there's an arrest warrant for you. Okay. What a bail bondsman does is a bail bondsman puts up that money for you, and you usually pay them 10% okay. uh, for for uh, like a 10% fee, basically. So in this case, you'd pay the bail bondsman $5,000. He'd put up $50,000 so you could get out. And then he recoups that when you show up for your court date. If you don't show up for your court date, which is something that happens sometimes, especially when people go to bail, bail bondsmen, they hunt you down. <laughs> That's when they become, like bail bondsmen will become like bounty hunters okay. and hunt pay people down to forcibly bring them to court so they can recoup the money that they put in. Oh. But if her parents are rich, I don't I yeah. don't know that they would necessarily do that. Yeah, they probably didn't. They probably just had the money. So they get the money back. Yes. You, you, you know, if you pay bail, you get the money back when you show up for court. Now, sometimes, especially in certain cases, they'll use that. They'll say, the court will say, if you, don't, if you paid it yourself, the court will say, we're going to use... A certain amount for the this court cost or this court Restitution. cost. Yeah, things like that. They'll take fees and court fees and stuff like that out of right. the bail and then give you whatever's left over if there is anything left over. Or if, you know, it's not enough to cover it, then you have to pay more out of pocket. So you don't always get all of it back. But theoretically, you could recoup all that money back. And then if, you know, if, if you had judgment against you, then pay whatever you're supposed to pay. Okay. So there's another kind of like minor story going on here with um, Steve Green or Ian Ziering's character. He's oh, yeah, the yeah. ugly blonde guy. Yeah, he's a weird looking dude. Yeah. No offense, Ian Ziering, but your name. A little offense. Your name fits your face. <laughs> <laughs> but um, apparently his dad is a complete dick. Okay. And um, well, he did name him Ian. Right. So. They're supposed to be going golfing with Brandon and his dad. And that's when they actually, that doesn't happen because they find out about Brenda. And they end up instead golfing with some people that his dad hates. Okay. And um, it's just, you know, stupid macho guy stuff. How's machos you can be while you're playing golf? Right. And uh, his dad. Excuse me, sir. Right. (laughs) But his dad actually cheats at golf. Yeah. And I want to know, maybe you can explain this to me. He says he has a little contraption that he puts the ball in at night and it juices it up. I assume what he means is that it enables it to fly farther when you're driving the ball. Now, I don't know how you would juice a golf ball necessarily i've only golfed a few times so i'm not well versed on it i know when people talk about juicing baseballs sometimes like if a pitcher wants the ball not to travel as far not people not to hit home runs off them and things like that they'll cool the baseball down hmm. because the colder a ball is the deader it is when okay. you when you try to hit it and people you know people will do things like that sometimes in baseball when they say juice the ball they mean they mean make it slick so that it has more break to it. That wouldn't apply in golf. Right. You wouldn't want the ball. To, you want the ball to go straight. You want the ball moving side to side. So I don't know exactly what his contraption is doing, whether it's... I, I think I've heard of people talking about juicing golf balls, uh, lightening them, basically. Uh, I don't... There's some sort of thing you can do where you can get some of what's inside out, I guess, but hmm. the ball still seems intact. But it just makes it lighter, so it flies farther. farther. Okay. I'm not exactly sure, but that's what he's saying. He's saying when he hits it off the tee, it'll go farther than a normal golf ball would. Okay. And then, okay, as this episode goes on, I, I mentioned about how Kelly's a little jealous and upset that, you know, Brenda sure. called Dylan. Oh, my goodness, they have some issues because... Um, they're making out. Things are getting a little hot and heavy. They've just gotten back. They're, like, ready to go to sleep. 
because they've been up all night dealing with this Brenda thing, right? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, Kelly thinks, okay, I'm going to get some. Knock on the door. Guess who it is? Brenda? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it does not go well. Like, Kelly just totally goes off on her and she's like, you know, he's not your boyfriend anymore. So Luke Perry doesn't just say, hey, since you're both here. <laughs> no. Okay. Although I am kind of surprised, like, how the girls go off on each other and he just stands there and does not take sides in any way. Like, well, he's dating one of them, so that, he you, should have taken her side. Yeah, you would think so. But, um, at the end of the episode, there's actually a, uh, a really bad thing where, um, Kelly says to him, I'm either going to be number one in your life or I'm not going to be in your life. Wow. It seems, I mean, they seem, it's an ultimatum. They seem pretty young to be that intense, but. Well, it's kind of what it's like a teen soap opera, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're supposed to be like nineteen. Okay. Um, and then when Kelly and Brenda make up later, Kelly actually says to her that she doesn't think she'll have him forever, and that she thinks Brenda will always be the main love of his life. Oh, that's what sad. a way to feel in a relationship! Like yeah. they should break up. I agree. That's awful. So. Um, yeah, um, oh, and then with Brenda, she actually gets off, of course, got free, no, no, no Because she's rich, that makes sense. Well, no, the, F- <laughs> the FBI, um, actually tell her she cooperates with them because they want to get more information. They'd actually infiltrated this group and all kinds of stuff. Like, so they want the, uh, the, perp- the, uh, organizers or whatever. Right. Of the shitty college, uh, terrorist organization. <laughs> Yeah, that lets little puppies and kittens go into the night. Wow. What a <laughs> what a plan. I don't know. I think I'm gonna keep watching though. I was kinda I was kinda into it. Like I feel like I shouldn't have stopped. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess next week when it's on you can watch that episode. I'm gonna. Maybe you can just talk about nine oh two one oh every time. Maybe. This can be like a part nine oh two one oh podcast. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe you can catch up on reruns in the summer or something. I don't. I know it's on its fourth season, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe. take a while. You know, it might be out on tape. I know that they do some shows on tape sometimes on yeah. VHS. Well, I missed all of season three and part of season four, so yeah, we'll see. They do. I know they have a lot of episodes. They do like thirty episodes. A, like no, normally for broadcast TV, there's like 22, 24 episodes. Sometimes twenty five. But this show is like 30, 32 episodes a season. Oh, I didn't even reason. realize that. Yeah, they go longer. They go farther. Like, they go closer to the summer than mo- most shows end around about May. They usually go into about June oh. or so for some reason. They go a few weeks farther than most shows do. I'm not sure exactly why. They, are, I think that it's on Fox, right? Yeah. So I think, I think probably Fox wants the program. <laughs> right. Because they, they've only recently, this year, this is the first broadcast season that they've had a full slate of programs monday through friday or no uh sunday through saturday the whole all seven days yeah so yeah it could that could part be part of the reason why so it'll take me a long long time is what you're saying yeah but i think if we could find it on vhs we might be able to to do it i know they do that it's hard harder to find tv shows but i know they're out there yeah well, our main topic for the week. It's horrible. We went to see the brand new film, Naked Gun 33 and a Third, The Final Insult. They, the, the title, I think, perfectly explains the movie. The original movie was great, called Naked Gun, you know, straightforward. It was based on a TV... This was part of the joke. It was based on a TV show. Now, okay, so this is produced by the Zucker Brothers and uh, John Abrams, or... or ah, John's not his name. I can't remember his first name. I don't know. Jerry. I think it's Jerry. No, Jerry Zucker... I don't know. Abrams. But anyway, his name's Abrams. Zaz is what they call himself. Z-A-Z. For what? Zucker... For Zucker, Abrams, Zucker. All right. That's what their production company is called. They did Airplane very famously, and that was a huge hit in the 80s. And that brought Leslie Nielsen's career from the dead, 
basically, because they discovered that Leslie Nielsen was hilarious at being completely deadpan. Then they did a very funny movie that a lot of people don't talk about but should called Top Secret with Val Kilmer. Excellent, excellent film. So, and they've started doing these kind of parody films, these slapsticky funny films. They made a TV show called Police Squad that I believe aired five episodes, maybe, <laughs> maybe six. I'm not sure. It was very short lived, but that's basically what the Naked Gun is. The Police Squad was like a dragnet type parody where it was Leslie Nielsen as Lieutenant Frank Drebin. And George Kennedy was the, his boss, the chief, and all that stuff. And it was sort of a, a cross between James Bond in this sense, that he had a guy that always made gadgets and stuff like that. Okay. And then it was basically a Dragnet parody. And like I said, it did not last long. It failed. Barely anyone saw it. So part of the joke when they made the Naked Gun movie was it, the, it was the Naked Gun based or na the naked gun from the files of police squad so that was part of the joke like hey it's based on this show mm. or a continuation of this show that none of you saw or liked right and it became a big hit for them it was another big comedy hit for them so then they named the second movie the naked gun two and a half because you don't just want to do two they got to put a little extra joke in there right uh -huh. So now they go with the Naked Gun 33 and a third. It's carrying the joke from the second title just a little bit too far. And this movie is carrying the joke just a little bit too far. More than just a little bit, babe. It's stretched a little thin. Now, it got a good review in the LA Times. Good for it. I'll pull up the LA Times review real quick. I will not read the whole thing because even though, you know, it's not like we're on national radio or even local radio or anything, we're just... Get that paper. We're just giving uh, these out to um, to our friends and they're hopefully sending them to their friends. But I don't want to get sued. Just in, just in case, Peter Rainier, who's <laughs> uh, a uh, the Times staff writer who wrote this review hears that we're quoting his piece so we're just doing a couple excerpts to totally fine but basically he said he says that the it a lot of it goes by the book a lot of the movie goes by the book there's a new director the i think i believe the zuckers directed the movies but it can only be credited to one movie because of director's guild rules or something like that okay so I'm not sure exactly which one directed it, but one of them directed the other two produced it of the other films. This one, they're just producing. Somebody else is directing, but he stays pretty close to the formula. Uh, Peter Siegel is the director's name. And basically it says that, you know, fans of the Naked Gun series will like it. It's, it's a lot of the same kind of stuff. He talks about the things that happen at the Academy Awards and how the Academy Awards rarely get rarely gets skewered in, in a film the way they do in this film and everything. So it, it seems like he enjoyed a lot of the gags. And you laughed out loud at some of the yeah, gags. I, I will say that while this is definitely not my kind of humor, very much like Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah, this is a little bit different kind of humor, but yeah. This movie actually did make me laugh a few times. I did not laugh once when I watched Ace Ventura, so... Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was not the worst comedy I've ever seen. No, it's, it's an okay movie. If you really like The Naked Gun and you really liked the second Naked Gun, which I don't think was as good as the first one, this one might be slightly better than the second one, I suppose, but it's not nearly as good as the first one. It's not, it's not anywhere in the same stratosphere as Airplane, which was a brilliant film. And it's not anywhere close to Top Secret, which I think is their best film. But it's okay. We'll give you the basic rundown of it. So it's Frank Drebin again, Leslie Nielsen, and he's married to Priscilla Presley. That He's retired now and they're having some marital problems. He can't perform his husbandly duty, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he's 
become domesticated to the point of basically being a housewife. He's making baked goods and ironing and he's doing all these well, stereotypical housewife things. This is the problem with guys who want to date so much younger women. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, yeah, you're going to end up sitting at home while your wife's out there doing stuff when you're old. Yeah, I guess. Well, it's, you know, we're the same age, so. Yes. Not anything I have to worry about. <laughs> but yes, so he's become domesticated and they're go they go to a couples counseling and get and it's just I don't know, it's a disaster. Yeah, basically the couples counselor just says, Well, go have sex with your wife. Yeah, that's what he says. I mean there's no no helpfulness to it. Have a romantic evening with her. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, it's been so long since we've had a romantic evening like that. I don't understand why. He's not working anymore. They have enough time and they have no kids. And she wants to have kids. And the the image of what's he gotta be? Sixty five year old Leslie Nielsen. Having a child is a bit humorous, but she wants to have children, and he's not sure that he's ready for that kind of responsibility. So not ready. <laughs> when, when, when's he gonna get ready? <laughs> the hell? <laughs> so in comes George Kennedy, his his old boss, and O.J. Simpson, who is very good in this movie. He's not in in all these films. O.J. Simpson's not in it a lot. He plays Nordberg. He's kind of the I'm there to cop, you know. But he's very charming. He's very likable. And, you know, he does a really good job. He's he, he's good at, at doing some of the, the humor that he, uh, you know, that he's presented. He's not given a lot. He's not given a lot to work with. But he's good at that kind of deadpan, I'm really dumb character. I, I guess. I mean, I think he should just stick to uh, the football field. But... Wow, he's retired from football. What do you want him to do? He's Stay re- home and make baked goods. He's retired from football. Yeah, okay, so yeah, just do some cooking. Get a knife and, and chop up some vegetables and do, and do some cooking. There you go. But uh, no, because he, he was an excellent football player. I know Carol's not a big fan of football, and he was just a little before my time in the 70s. But uh, for the Buffalo Bills, I mean, absolutely fantastic running back. The only thing that comes close, in my opinion, is or Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is better running back, in my opinion, for the Detroit Lions. But anyway, so, but he was a tremendous football player. Then he did some Monday Night Football commentary with uh, Howard Cosell and Frank Gifford after Dandy Don left and started doing his own TV show and stuff. Not very good commentary. <laughs> he's and he's been he's done some commentary here and there. You always see him, you know, in the cold weather with the gloves. You know, maybe he should write a book. Yeah, that, you know, that's not a bad idea. He could write a book, but I don't know. I I liked him in the movie though. Like, I, could he be a star? Mm, I don't know. I heard that they that he was originally talked about as being the main character. In the movie, The Terminator. What? Now, I cannot see him as like this killing machine, you know, like this robotic, you know, uh, Santa Cana, you know, like I, <laughs> I can't. I mean, obviously, he wouldn't do the Austrian accent, but I can't see him in that kind of a serious role. I don't think he could ever do anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't see like and apparently that's what the producer said. He was too nice. He came in, he read for it. They kind of liked him, but he was too nice to to do it so they went to Arnold Schwarzenegger but um yeah so you know like I think comedy roles is probably best suited for him but yeah maybe he should just stay home and and cook you know take care of his wife or whatever right um but anyway so they come and they tell him that there's this bombing that they think, or this guy that's a bomber, he's working with terrorists or something. I don't even remember how they how they came about knowing this. But, you know, they need him to go undercover to find Tanya Peters, this guy's girlfriend. And Tanya Peters is played by the guest jeans model and former Playboy Playmates, Anna Nicole Smith. Now, I gotta say, you know, I'm, I'm not into girls, but 
if I were, oh my. I mean, she was fun to look at. I'm sure you enjoyed that aspect <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, she's she's a very uh, statuesque woman. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and, and that's why they put someone like her in the film. Right. She she is not a great actress. I, I understand why she does the guest jeans commercials, because, you know, she looks good. She's got a good body. If she was a better actress, she could be Marilyn Monroe, like Marilyn Monroe 2.0. Yeah. Because she's gorgeous and everything. And, and if she if she, if she she was just, I don't know, maybe 50% better at acting, <laughs> I think she'd have a really good career. But she's just not that good of an actress. No. She's okay. She's passable in a role like this where she's like third string right. as far as lines and stuff goes. But man, she would not be able to carry a movie like like Marilyn Monroe used to be able to carry a movie. Some like it hot. Oh yeah. Prefer blondes. Yeah. I love Marilyn Monroe. Seven Year Itch. Yeah, that was a great one. But yeah, she unfortunately she's just not there now. Maybe if she took acting classes, maybe she could get better. Okay, so um, Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah. Some acting classes. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, they're looking for her and they want him to go undercover, and she's a nurse. So, so ridiculous. So, so he decides, okay, I'm going to help you out, even though I told Jane that I'm not going to work police work anymore. So he does it when she's out being a lawyer. And, she, you know, it's funny, too, because in the first movie, I think she was like a secretary in the first movie. Really? For the, for the evil boss played by Ricardo Montalban. I'm not, I don't remember the second movie super well, so I don't remember when she became a lawyer, but apparently she's a lawyer now. Yeah, she must have been busy in between movies. Anyway, so he goes to the hospital, or to the doctor's office, to kind of try to find her address. That's what they're looking for, is this girl's address. And for some reason, because it's a comedy movie, he didn't research what type of hospital, or what type of you know, what type of doctor's office it was. So he comes in and fakes an old football injury. He's got a sling on and he's basically saying that uh, he hurt his elbow. Turns out it's a sperm and fertility clinic. Mm -hmm. So the nurse is asking him what the problem is. And he's like, oh, I noticed it when my uncle came over in the backyard. And she kind of looks like your uncle. What are you talking about? Because she thinks that he's there for fertility problems. Right. And he's like, yeah, you know, we would throw the old, I can't, he didn't ever, he didn't say throw he, the pigskin around. No, he was saying like something about jerking it. Yeah. Like, I, like, I think I jerked it too much. He's talking about his elbow. Uh, I, I just couldn't last as long as him. I'm still like, yeah, all this stuff that's double entendre type stuff where, you know, he's talking about one thing and she's thinking another thing because we saw the sign that said fertility clinic and he didn't. But, you know, it's also kind of gross because this is an old dude. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen, I think, used to be what women would consider an attractive man when A he was younger. A long time ago. Well, I mean, he started, I think, in the 50s in, in, in acting. So we're talking a 40-year career. Because they don't just leave it. At, you know, he's walking in here. No, no, no. They put us through all the sounds and the tousled hair and the little... Yeah, because he's got to give a sample. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to... I don't want that image. So, and and, and hijinks ensue. He's got to go back several times. No, he doesn't have to. several samples. He does not have to. He chooses to. Well, he's trying to cover his tracks with uh, Anna Nicole Smith's character at one point. There is one part that's pretty funny where they where he recognizes the her name before he goes undercover and he says, "Oh yeah, don't you remember back in the '70s?" Which is funny because it's tw so it's 20 years prior if it's taking place in the '70s. The, and there's some disco shootout and she's there looking the exact same right? age yeah. <laughs> that she is now. But they, uh, you know, he comes in and his his he's got a wig on, his hair's like a little longer. As was the style in the seventies, he's got the the pork chop sideburns, and George Kennedy's got a little like kind of gray fro going on, and then OJ comes in with this just giant fro that can't even fit through the door. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Which you know, if you saw OJ play in the seventies, he had a fro, but I mean, it wasn't. Well, I nobody's mean, is that big. This was this was a fro that would put Dr. James to sh to shame, but uh, Dr. J. But uh, anyway. 
So that was sort of funny. So he ends up, he goes through this filing cabinet that has uh, apparently the answers at this fertility clinic. For some reason, has the answers to all the great unsolved mysteries. Who really shot JFK? Uh, the location of Jimmy Hoffa's body. Uh, something about uh, Patty Hearst was in there. And then the address of this girl. So he sees the address. He writes it down on a napkin. He comes home and Jane... He's supposed to have sex with Jane, but he, now he's just masturbated all these times. Yes, three times. Uh, with filling like 17 cups. Oh, so, stop reminding me. So now, now he's tired and he can't do it. And she finds out somehow. And I don't remember, I don't remember how she found out. Because she saw something. What did she see? Ah. Uh... Because it, it. It would appear, though I all I remember is the logical assumption would be that he cheated on her, but she said, you're back to doing police work again. Yeah. And his response was, no, it's another woman. And she's like, oh, in your dreams. <laughs> now, let's not skip over, though, real quickly here, mm-hmm. what the woman was wearing. Which, which one? His wife. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's another gag. Lingerie that's freaking lit up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was the most ridiculous looking thing I've and ever seen. Like arrows yeah. pointing down it was, to her it was ridiculous. to her crotch with a big heart. Yes. It was it was like it would have been a funny Halloween costume or but you something that you it. wear to bed. You I, laughed at the reveal of it. I did. It's still stupid. Yeah, it's dumb, yeah, but the, the, the movie is dumb. It's dumb humor. But I don't remember what it was. It wasn't like lipstick on the collar, but it was something like that. Yeah. Where you would think you would have thought that I don't remember, but I don't. I, I'm sorry, guys. I don't. I was it the address on the napkin? No, because he so she starts crying. This is another part that's kind of funny. She she says, "Oh, you're doing police work again." She's dressed in this lingerie. She goes into the bedroom <laughs> and then opens the door immediately, and she's dressed and packed, yeah, ready to go. And the doorbell rings, and she says, "Oh, that's the cab," and. So she's crying. He gives her the napkin with the address on it. And that's why he doesn't know what the address is later. He said, oh, I had it, but I don't know what I did with it. Right. So anyway, he goes back to working police work full time in order to figure out what this guy's plan is. They decide that he's going to go undercover in the jail. So he goes undercover in the jail to um, to kind of befriend this guy and played by Fred Ward. And try to figure out what his plan is. So take it from there a little bit, because I'm trying to remember exactly what happens uh, from that point. Do you remember what happens? Is no, this the part where you? I, is this I the part where you fell asleep in the movie theater? Nodded off a little bit because it got kind of boring. The next thing I remember is them being at the award show. You fell asleep for that long in the theater? Apparently, uh, I'm sitting in the movie theater, and. At some point in the film, I just hear... <laughs> I do not snore. A little bit. Oh, my. And then Fire. I poked you. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah, she fell asleep a in the theater, so that's how you know that it's a good recommendation for the film. Well, I mean, I was also tired, but yeah, it was boring. Well, it's dark in the theater, too. And you get all that popcorn. You kept me up too late. it's your fault oh we're gonna talk about that okay so anyway so she fell asleep in the theater so fred ward has got this plan and basically it's kind of ridiculous the whole this whole section of the film kind of flew by for me and i did not retain much knowledge of it you were bored too but yeah i guess that's what it was but basically he had a plan, and Leslie Nielsen's character, Frank Frank Drebin, was like, oh, you know, I'll help you and stuff. And he's, for some reason, he's going to pass the, the note of this plan to one of his, his underlings while they're in the cafeteria in front of everybody. And one of the guards gets the note, and Drebin basically stages a riot so that he can get the note and eat it. He ends up eating it with spaghetti sauce and stuff like It's just, I don't know, it's ridiculous. Because, like, he wants to destroy the evidence. 
Okay. While this riot's going on. So this proves to the guy that he's on the up and up as far as being a criminal goes. And that he, he can trust him. Then so they're going to break out. So they start carving the... Or they start digging this tunnel in their, their cell. And they're getting rid of the dirt. And it seems to me like the only real gag of this whole part was that they were having problems getting rid of the dirt because it was so much dirt. They're playing baseball outside in the yard and everything and he's he's letting the dirt fall from his uh from his pant leg you know and stuff like that trying to get the dirt out and at one point it's so much dirt because he's batting he's in the batter's box it's so much dirt that he's like several feet in the air it's a giant mound of dirt something that would obviously be noticed there's uh there's criminals in there as they're doing the lineup with dirt on their heads it's just like trying to, and they're lay, they're lay, like the whole bed's covered in dirt, so they're laying on dirt. It's, it's just, it I'm goes. I'm listening to you talk about it. It goes way too far. And that's part of, like I said, that's part of what this movie's problem is, is it takes what was a funny premise for one film, and it stretches it just a little bit too far. Or a lot. But anyway, so they end up breaking out, and they get out of the in the sewer at a school in South Central LA. So all the kids have guns <laughs> and they start shooting at him. That part was kind of funny. So they run away and they get uh, to his mom's car and she's taking them to the Anna Nicole Smith's house, which is where they're going to hide out the address that he had found. Meanwhile, his wife is, you know, pissed and everything. She's taking a sabbatical from work, I guess, because she doesn't go to work. And she's doing a Thelma and Louise parody with one of her friends. Which, I remember that. Which goes nowhere at all. Like, it's kind of funny. There are some funny bits to it. But they don't actually have any kind of adventures. They don't parody the... They don't do anything that happens in the movie. They don't actually, like, directly parody the film, uh, Thelma and Louise. They just, um, they're just sort of dressed like it. And they basically, they do nothing. They drive to one bar. She, she sees the napkin with the address on it and says, oh, it was another woman. <laughs> and tries to call him because now she wants to come back home because she thinks he wasn't doing police work. Oh my goodness. She said he was just cheating. So that's okay with her, I guess. So anyway, she ends up driving there because she can't get him at home. So she, you know, she calls from a payphone. He doesn't answer. So she ends up driving there. She, she somehow has a big rig truck. Not really explained how, but she has a big rig truck that she drives there. So she ends up showing up, and Anna Nicole Smith is kissing him at the time because for some reason she is super into to Leslie Nielsen. Old nasty white guys, got it? Yep, yeah, apparently that's Anna Nicole Smith's type. So anyway. Uh, Priscilla Presley, Jane, she opens the door and she's like, what's going on? And he gives her a hug and basically says, you know, you're not supposed to know me here. He's trying to clue her in. And they, they're like, oh, what are we going to do with her? They all come downstairs. What are we going to do with her? You know, we better kill her. And he says, hey, you know, I've been on a lot of jobs where it's gone south and having a hostage really makes the difference. So we should take her hostage. So he's like, oh, that's a great idea. So they decide to take her hostage. So we learn that their target is the Academy Awards. And he has engineered a bomb to be in this envelope so that when they pull out the envelope, it explodes and it will destroy the entire Academy Awards, kill all the celebrities and everything. Seems like it would be really difficult to get that done. I mean, imagine imagine this wasn't a movie and someone actually wanted to do that. To plant a bomb at the Academy Awards and kill all the celebrities in attendance. Yeah, that'd have to be a pretty big and powerful bomb. Well, one, yes. But two, I would imagine that getting it actually in the building to do that... I mean, what does security got to be like in an, for an event like that? I, I'm not... It's not like trying to... It's not like trying to blow up Congress or something like that. Where it could grind the country to a halt. I'm, and I'm not lifting up stars to that level. But imagine every celebrity at the Academy Award is killed. What does that do to the movie industry? Yeah. It, I mean, it brings the movie industry to its knees. 
Because think about all the directors, all the producers, all the actors. I mean, it's like top A-list talent are all gone. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, it would definitely hurt. It would be a huge, it would be a huge thing for pop culture in the country and for the movie industry in particular. And, you know, so I would imagine that, you know, the security at an event like that is enormous. Yeah. But anyway, so he puts it in the envelope. They Well, they get, Anna Cole Smith brings it in. I don't remember exactly how she gets in either. Yeah. Because they stop, uh, they stop drebbing at the door and say, oh, you can't come in because you're not a celebrity. So she gets in somehow. She's trying to distract. Probably just because she has giant boobs. Well, she's trying to distract the guy that's guarding the envelope. And she starts taking her top off and everything. We don't see anything, obviously. But she starts taking her top off and we see shadows, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's just sitting there like stone-faced, like, I'm not going to move. She's trying all these different things. Finally, she finds a box that has some bubble wrap in it. And she starts popping some of the bubble wrap. And he comes over, he's like, hey, don't do that, you know. And then he starts popping the bubble wrap. And then all the production people from behind the scenes start coming out and popping the bubble wrap. Apparently, popping bubble wrap is super addictive. Right. So she's able to place the bomb in one of the envelopes. Uh, meantime, Drebin has knocked out Weird Al Yankovic and Vanna White, who for some reason were going to the Academy Awards together. First of all, not sure why they were invited to the Academy Awards, because I love Weird Al Yankovic and I love the movie UHF, but it was a while ago. He hasn't made any movies since then. Vanna White, I don't think, has ever been in a movie outside of her cameo appearance in this actual film that we're watching. Uh and even if she was like just a small appearance, they're not they're not movie people. Right. That one's a TV person, one's a music person. That's not performing a song at the Academy Awards. Not sure why they're invited, but they knock them out, and then Frank and his wife pose as Weird Al Yankovic and Vanna White, and the guy at the door is like Weird Al Yankovic and Vanna White come right in, <laughs> even though they look. Nothing like them. Right. When when you when he says pose, there's no costuming involved here. No, it's not no, like no. they try. So then, although they do, there is a funny joke about someone he looks like later. But they come in and they're trying to find the bomb. So they're, he's like, it's going to be in one of the envelopes. Jane, you te- check the envelopes. I'm going to see what I can do. Maybe try to, like, Raquel Welch, op- you know, is doing one of the awards. She opens an envelope. They think that, uh, it, you know, it's going to be the bomb. So they scream. It's not the bomb. Everyone kind of stares at them. And so they're like, oh, we were pulling for Florence Henderson to win this award. And that's one of the funny things about it is that they're all TV people that are nominated. for All TV people are people in other realms. Like Mary Lou Retton ends up ends up winning Best Actress. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so... So he says, I'm going to go, or no, it wasn't, it wasn't Raquel Welch, because that's who he's with. It's somebody else. But anyway, so uh, he he goes backstage. He's like, I'm going to see if I can stop them from opening any more of these envelopes. You try to find the envelope that has the bomb in it. So they say, up next to present the award for, I think it's best original score or something like that, is Raquel Welch and Phil Donahue. Mm-hmm. And they show a guy from behind with that Phil Donahue silver hair, that, that trademark silvery gray hair that he's got. And then then Leslie Nielsen walks up behind him and kind of knocks him out and takes his place. And he does sort of look like <clears throat> like uh, Phil Donahue from behind. <laughs> That's definitely true. So he comes out. He makes a disaster of it, of course. it's A lot of it is like the first film at the baseball game with Reggie Jackson, where uh, he's... You know, he, he's doing the umpire thing, and then he's singing the national anthem and all that stuff. And it, it's basically the same, almost beat for beat, the same kind of comedy from the first film. So they finally discover where the bomb is. It's in Best Picture. And they, I guess to make a long story short, uh, they, you know, they stop the bomb. Fred, uh, Fred Ward gets somehow catapulted up through the ceiling of the auditorium where the Academy Awards is held with the bomb in his hand, crashes into the plane of the terrorist that he's working with, which happens to be flying overhead at the time, 
and it blows up. The plane, the bomb goes off. The plane blows up, killing them both. And the, the, his mother gets arrested, and and Nicole Smith gets arrested. And that's the end of the movie. And, and he basically says to Jane, "Look, I've got to be a police officer. It's just who I am, and this is how I feel like a man." Blah blah blah. So he gets to continue working uh, at police squad. And she's cool with it, and they have a baby at the end of the movie. And then it's over. Terrible, terrible waste of my life movie. I won't go that far. I don't think it's worth your time to go see it in the movie theater. If you want to wait out, wait till it comes out on VHS, that's probably your best call, I would say. Wait till it comes out on... If you're a big fan, I guess go see it in the theater. If you're a mediocre fan go or wait for it to come out on VHS and then watch it then. If you're not a fan at all, don't go see this movie. <laughs> I was forced. Well, we were forced. I didn't really want to see it either. But there were there was slim pickings this week at, at the uh, at the box office. So Excuses, excuses. That's all I can say. We will end this episode as we end all episodes with our blockbuster pick of the week, and I am excited about this blockbuster pick of the week. It is a film that did not get a lot of love in the movie theater, and it's just weird enough that I like it. It is Airborne. The story of Airborne is of a California surfer dude (laughs) whose parents go to Australia for the year. Because they're scientific researchers, I believe. And he cannot go with them. He has to stay with his cousin in Ohio. And go to school in Ohio for the year. Where there is no nowhere to surf. And, you know, he's obviously kind of bummed out about it. Uh, the it stars uh, Shane McDermott is the name of the actor that stars in it, and it also features uh, this weird little redhead kid named Seth Green. There's um, there's this one guy in it too that I haven't seen in anything else. But actually, I think I think I saw him in one other film. I'm trying to remember, but uh, he plays the the sidekick to the bully of the film. And he is uh, really funny. I like him. His name is, I looked up his name on the VHS thing. It's uh, Jack Black. And he's he's very funny. Like, he's good in this film. He's kind of like a little weird out there and everything. But I like him. I, th- I think this is the first movie he's ever been in. So he goes to Ohio to live with his with his cousin Seth Green and get bullied because it's Ohio and everyone thinks that he's a weird California guy, except the girls all like him because he's blonde hair and tan and, and he's got this, this whole like, Hey, it's just like, I have a Zen philosophy, man. Oh, Hey dude. You know, like they're trying to bully him and he's like, and he's like, Oh, much obliged. You know? And like, it's all like, it's all really weird. He, uh, he ends up, trying out for the hockey team. They, they tell him to try out for the hockey team. And he scores a, he scores a goal on his own goal. Oh, no. So they, uh, they're pissed off. And Jack Black especially is pissed off. And they, uh, they like just hate him. And he does a lot of skateboarding. This is basically a skateboarding movie. So he does a lot of skateboarding. And the, uh, the movie ends with a big skateboarding match between the bully and the uh, the main character. Uh, Mitchell is his name, Mitchell Guzan. But, uh, so that is, uh, that is Airborne. It's, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's kind of one of those movies that's so bad it's good. Where it's really kind of lame and dumb but it really makes you laugh. Sometimes you're laughing at the jokes that the movie's making, and sometimes you're just laughing at the movie. Right. And it's like, how? why did you think to put this in? Why do you think this would be funny? But it's, I don't know, it, it, uh, it makes me laugh every time I see it. So 
Airborne is available right now at Blockbuster. I have my copy uh, already. Uh, I've watched a couple times. So go out and uh, get your copy at your local Blockbuster. And if you're by us and you go to the Blockbuster that I go to, I will be returning it in the next couple days. So you'll be able to see it then. He'll be returning it very soon. <laughs> you don't want to watch Airborne? No. Oh, it's so good. No, you got... One dumb movie this week. Not not more than that. Well, next week we'll be talking about another dumb movie. No, we'll probably be watching some... We'll probably be watching some romance uh, comedy or something that you drag me to. Yes. Something with Julia Roberts in it. You owe me. Anyway, so that is our show for the week. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know what to do. Carol's Locker will give you some... You can uh, put your money in there for us. Uh, you can put a note in my locker if you want me to shut up. I don't know. Oh, and I got the envelope with um, 25 cents in it. Were you trying to tell me to make a phone call? What, what was that? I mean, <laughs> is that a donation? If so, I guess thank you. But Yeah, Carol was insulted by that. But uh, anyway, yeah, if uh, if it's metal... I guess don't put it in her locker unless it's gold. Um, but anyway, or platinum. But anyway, so, yeah, don't be giving jewelry to my girlfriend, anybody. Um, anyway, so the best thing you can do is tell a friend about us. Give these tapes out to, to different people so that different people can hear our, our different episodes, and we would love that. And I, I looked a little bit into, into that internet thing, seeing if we could get this thing on the internet somehow if we could put the tapes on the internet i i am having the hell of a time figuring it out if anybody knows anything about the internet uh give me a call i guess if you have my phone number <laughs> and if you don't i don't know you can page me if you have my pager number and i will return your call as soon as i can you call his brother's cousin's uncle yeah i figure you figure out a way to get to me if you know anything about the internet and we'll figure it out. But uh, we will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.